Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. America's first superstar designer, Ralston, rose to international fame in the 1970s, creating an empire and personifying the dramatic and social and sexual revolution of the last century. Reaching beyond glamour and glitz, acclaimed filmmaker Frederick Chang, as well as Roland Ballister, are joining us today to talk about Halston and the profound impact he had on fashion, culture, and business. The film is simply called Halston, and to Frederick Chang, as well as uh, Roland Ballister, thank, welcome to film school. Boy, that was butchered. Let me do that whole thing again, that last part. Uh, okay. And, uh, and um, so joining us today are, is the director, as well as the producer of Halston, and that would be Frederick Cheng, as well as Roland Ballister. To both of you, welcome to film school. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much for being here. And, uh, and uh, tell me a little bit about, I'll go to you, Frederick, in terms of uh, the genesis of this particular documentary. You've done Dior and I. You've been involved in other uh, documentaries about well-known fashion designers and icons. What prompted this do- documentary? Uh, well, I mean, Roland actually uh, brought me to this story because, um, you know, he had a personal contact with, with, with the Halston family. Um, but for me, it was um, it was all about trying to find the biggest story outside of just fashion. You know, like as you said, I've I've, I've done several documentaries already, and um, about Dana Vreeland or uh, Dior and I. I worked on others like Valentino, The Last Emperor. So it's all about uh, what is, how does the story reach beyond fashion? Because I'm you know I'm I'm interested in fashion, but this is I'm really a filmmaker at heart and. Um, um, a good story is is what I'm looking for, and with Halston, it was not just a good story. I mean, it was like an incredible story. It was out of um, storybook, really. It had the scope of Citizen Kane and some of the best Hollywood movies, you know. And so I, I, I loved that about it, and I also loved the business aspect, especially. Um, I thought that 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 was the story that hadn't been told. Um, how Halston sold his name, you know, in the early '70s, and then lost. Uh, control of his company in the 80s through a corporate takeover. I felt I felt like there was a lot of um, um, a lot of the cultural moment of you know the Reagan years, um, uh, which I feel like we still live in. You know, unfortunately, yes. um, encapsulated in Halston's story. So I wanted to I wanted to tell that story, and it felt very urgent. It felt very personal for me because as an artist, you have to deal with with the business people and sometimes you feel very, very isolated and alone and I, I was devastated by what he went through, you know. So, um, yeah, and then, you know, Roland, um, I'll, I'll let Roland speak yeah. about his relationship but he had great access. Yeah, Roland, go yeah. ahead, please. Yes. Uh, as Fred mentioned, this the, the genesis of this project started with my relationship with Halston's niece and nephew, hmm. uh, the nephew being George Froick, the niece being Leslie Froick. Leslie, as the film shows, was very close to her uncle, and she lived with him and she worked with him. And through that access, uh, she saw everything. She saw so many things, and she got to know a lot of the wonderful people in his world. Not all of them, but a lot of them. So when Leslie wanted to do a project about her uncle, we talked about it, 
and it made a lot of sense to me because there was a big scope to this project. It wasn't just about the fashion, as Fred said. It was about the business. It was about the society he was creating. It was about the changes he was implementing on how models, what type, who got to be a model. You know, so many wonderful things and interesting topics. Uh, the access that Leslie provided, not just to our, she had a lot of archival material, a lot of tapes and personal effects, which were really, that's where we started our research. We greatly expanded out from there, but it was really the wonderful foundation. And equally important, if not more so, was the human connection. She vouched for us, and we got access to the models in the film, who many of which, like people like Karen Bjornsson, have never spoken to other people before. Through those connections, particularly through Karen, we got to Liza Minnelli. Um, and then, you know, someone like uh, Faye Robson, the secretary, she was instrumental because she led us to Mike Lichtenstein, the business manager. So it was just a series of connections that started with Leslie that just, you know, like water, it just kept expanding out. And yeah. I got to say, and this is Fred um, yeah. adding something, um, that um, Leslie was very brave because she, even though she gave us all this access and all this material, um, she really trusted us to the point of like not seeing anything until like a week before Sundance. So, you know, she understood that we were going to go uh, and do like a very complete picture of her uncle and she accepted that that might, you know, that we were going to go and like parts of his life that maybe she found, like, you know, a little uncomfortable for herself. But, you know, that was part of the deal with her, and she was she accepted that from the beginning. Yeah, and as I said, it, this is a comprehensive look. And again, as you're describing all the the, uh, the way you were able to acquire the, the, uh, the assets you needed and also establish these relationships with these people that are so integral in telling the story of Halston, uh, it comes across. It's a very warm film, and and I don't. And I I say that with the caveat that you are not um, shy about going into parts of his life where, that are not the, the 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 best part of his life. And mm -hmm. so, with that said, you, that you, I really feel like I got to know him. Although there is a certain, I will say that I I, I believe that to be true. But also, there is a certain reserve in him that I don't know that many people were able to crack mm -hmm. that that code with him. Um, but I think as in terms of what you could extract from his story and about him, you did a great job. You did a fantastic job. But is that a incorrect observation that it seems like there was always some element of him as a person that was extremely guarded or not available for other people yeah. oh, to know? Yeah, absolutely. He was very reserved, and he very much compartmentalized his life where certain people knew certain things about his life, and they didn't have any access to the other parts of his life. Uh, Liza Minnelli, for example, who was such a dear, close friend to him, didn't know anything about his business. They never talked about that. He never mentioned that to her. Uh, many people didn't know about his personal relationships. That was him. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, that was part of the draw for me. I mean, he was um, such an enigmatic character, you know, a little bit like, um, again, like, uh, like, like, like the best films like Citizen Kane where, you know, there's a rosebud at the center of the story and you're compelled to sort of keep watching because you want to get to know that person. And I had the same feeling when I, um, when I started doing the research on Halston because, you know, as he says in the film, like, I don't, I don't talk about the past. I don't like to do that. And he was very much keeping you uh, at a distance, you know, from you felt like he was um, hiding a little bit behind the sunglasses. 
And so it became a really compelling sort of um, investigation for me, and I became completely obsessed with finding finding out like what the rosebud was for Halstead. Right. So, well, I do I do want to talk about that creative device that you use that that way in which we have our sort of reporter from Citizen Kane sort of a yeah. persona of that I do want to talk about that but I also want to sort of step uh, take a step back and sort of give <laughs> Halston's life sort of some context here it spans from in some ways his connection to Jacqueline Kennedy to the 60s mm-hmm. all the way into the 90s and it's not just that he lived that long but he seemed to be Kind of an avatar for a lot of the 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 seventies, the, the the New York scene, Studio Fifty Four. I don't want to give it all away, but and I'll let you describe it. But his <laughs> his life is so, just the 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 era, the period of time that we knew him, of knew of him, and his sort of his career, is is a remarkable p- part of American history. And I don't know which one to ask of this question, but I'll yeah. start with, uh, I'll, go ahead. I, I would love to answer, uh, this is Fred. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for, by the way, I will say, thank you for observing that, because that's that's my sentiment exactly, the way his life tracked the decades. Absolutely. I mean, you know, you have to understand that he, he was born in the Depression era, you know, in the Midwest. Uh, so that's a piece of, like, American history. And then, you know, six, the 60s, he was at Bergdorf. He was, um, and then in the 70s, he burst onto the scene with his own label and captured the moment, really. I mean, a lot of people think that he owned the decade, and I think it's a fair, uh, you know, argument to make. And then in the 80s, he was engulfed in this corporate takeover, and, you know, that was the 80s. That was like Ronald Reagan um, sort of deregulating the markets, and then all these corporate raiders starting to um, 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 snap these companies uh, snatched these companies, and so it's that's what I mean when I say like it had to be a bigger story than fashion, and it had to be something that where we could talk about um, American history and and the social changes, and 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 you know his life was just um, perfect. He was uh, he was always there at the right moment. Yeah, that that was definitely part of the project, you know, from the beginning. Yeah, Roland, anything to add to that? I think uh, you know his. When you look at the 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 big movements of the '60s, his life tracked that. You know the social revolutions that were going on. The way it the when the '60s started, he was at the the Milner at Bergdorf, very constricted, very polite, very very upper class. At the end of the '60s, I wouldn't say he was ever a hippie. He was more bohemian than that, but he was never a hippie. But it was a different world. He completely changed with the times. He had given that up. He started his own business. He was having his salons. He was mixing with Andy Warhol, uh, the art world, mixing the art and fashion, but still had some of the uptown clients. By the 70s came, it was a slicker look. I mean, he really did invent the good look of the 70s, not the bad look of the 70s, the good look. Yeah. And he just expanded his business, and everything just grew, 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 grew. And then, you know, you had the Studio 54 and some of the excesses. He certainly was part of yeah. that. Yeah. And as Ren mentioned, come the 80s, it ended, and he was uh, caught, caught up in two very tragic uh, events of the 80s yes. that on the business and on the personal side. Yeah. So you With AIDS. Yeah. 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 So he, he, yeah, he contracted AIDS in 88 and then died in 1990. And even there, he's like also... I mean, it's not him himself, but I guess his family decided to reveal that uh, he died of AIDS, which was a big stigma at the time, and it's 
as uh, you know people forget, but um, but uh, celebrities were very often just uh, inventing other death uh, reasons instead of saying it was AIDS, and it, was, it meant a lot for the world that you know yeah. uh, the family just uh, came forward and, and, and was brave enough to to reveal it. I want to add also a couple of cultural landmarks that are very important that we try to emphasize in the film. You know, he was one of the first to use models of color and 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 plus size models. Actually, he had like Pat Ass, uh, this wonderful like Andy Warhol superstar uh, in his salon, and you know he um, he thought of women in a very diverse way. He didn't really speak about it, but he just did it. You know, he did it, and he he put them. Uh, center stage, and um, he w- even went to Europe, to Versailles, where um, the Americans sort of competed with the French and showed this completely new American way of thinking about uh, style and fashion. And that's one thing. And then also, I think that one of the defining, really, legacy of Halston is his desire to address America and he, his collaboration with J.C. Penney, which was... Um, a very, very new idea at the time. It's hard to see it, you know, in hindsight because now we're, we're so used to, like, Uniqlo and H&M having, like, collaborations every other week. But, you know, back in 82, no one had done that. You were, like, either at Bergdorf Goodman or, you know, in the supermarkets. But, you were, I mean, it's like there was no doing high and low. And he was he was the first to do it, and he paid a high price for it because it, it sort of coincided with the the business unraveling and the corporate takeover, and but you know you have to give him props for just inventing new ways of of thinking about fashion. Yeah, he he's did. very optimistic, always looking forward, and even at the end. And I think you know one thing we want to do in the film is keep it ending on a up note, and always looking forward. I mean, he was always planning the new thing. Yeah, uh, I want to remind our listeners we're speaking with the director and editor of the film, Halston. And that would be Frederick Chang as well as the producer, Roland Ballister. Uh, and both uh, Frederick and Roland will be here in town tonight, um, May 31st, at the New Art Theater for a Q&A at the 7, did you say 7.30 screening of uh, Halston? Is that right? 7 p.m. on Friday and Saturday. Friday, sorry, 7 p.m. on Friday and Saturday. And uh, again, there, there was a device you use, and I, I really liked it. You, you'd, uh, Frederick, you had mentioned earlier the sort of Citizen Kane uh, reference, and it is, uh, it is a, a good way to to under to sort of get us into the story. Uh, and I think all of the things you said earlier about him, sort of, you know, at the end of the film, we get to know his life. But there's still this element of that uh, that rosebud element of him in, in his life. But I love the way you went about this uh, in in terms of um, telling Thanks. the story. Um, Thank yeah. you. I think it was important. You know, it was really important for me to just try to um, approach it differently and to do something that maybe um, I haven't done before. Because I've done several um, fashion documentaries, and I don't want to repeat myself. I think that uninteresting and, and the audience would get bored too and I, there was such mystery at the at the core of the story and trying to find out who this guy was that I started thinking a little bit outside of the box and 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 wanted to take a risk you know in telling the story differently so we um, we started envisioning it as a detective story uh, a little bit of an investigation and that's how I came up with the um, a frame story that is a little bit of an homage to uh, Citizen Kane, 
there's um, there's actually um, more of this frame story in the um, in the cut that we showed at Sundance, which is going to come out. Uh, we call it a director's cut, I guess, um, later this year. Um, you know, in the near future. Um, but um, but we kept it even for the theatrical. I think it was like a, a, a very uh, um, um, personal way for me to talk about sort of the um, the mystery of um, a person and how can you actually get to know a person in a hundred minutes? Is that right. even possible? You know, right. Citizen Kane is very eloquently sort of um, dramatizing that with like the the idea of a rosebud. You know, like. Uh, the idea that there's one detail that explains everything, and you know, I think um, in in Halston there's there's no rosebud. You know, he's like he's the man without a rosebud. I think it's a, he took his rosebud with him in his grave, probably. And mm. um, but it was really interesting to sort of come to the story from these different angles and kind of um, investigate, you know, um, this person who who is always so elusive. Well, I'm going to ask you, Frederick, to, to uh, well, there's a couple of questions I want to kind of wrap up our interview with. Uh, but one is, uh, you've now done uh, now four films that are related to the fashion industry, Valentina, The Last em- Emperor, Diana, Diana Vreeland, The Eye Has to Travel, Dior and I, and now Halston. What's been the reaction among um, people who knew him, people who work with him uh, to, to Halston? What's been, what's been that reaction? Anything that surprised you in that reaction, I should say. Um, well, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm really surprised that everyone embraced it um, and and found, um, you know, the Halston they knew or understand or un- started to understand also kind of who he was a little better, you know, and, and from both sides sides of the aisle, you know, because the businessman as well as the people who were close to him, you know, they both loved the film and they. You know, what the thing that was really touching is um, some of the people who worked at Olympic Tower, like some of his assistants, were like, wow, I finally understand, like, what I went through in 1982, 1983, and why he was the way he was, you know. And and I think they were just experiencing Halston with all the difficult, you know, because he was very difficult to to work with, very very demanding. And now, like, seeing the film, understanding the business storyline, they finally understand what he was going through, and you know I think that's that's yeah. really touching for me. Yeah. Well, let me ask both of you. I'll start with you, Roland, um, and then Frederick, if you would, would would mind chiming in. What is Halston's legacy? It good and bad, or however you want to frame it. However you feel is the the best way to explain him to an audience who only know the name and never really had any idea who he is. Roland, how would you describe Halston's legacy to someone who doesn't know him? I think it's a two-pronged approach. On one level, we see his his impact in really the clothes we wear. I mean, you know, you see so much of his design aesthetic. I mean, I don't necessarily think the execution is always out there, but definitely the look that he uh, pioneered in many ways we see today. And I'm not just talking about the collaborations at the fast fashion level with the H&Ms and Zara's of the world, but even at the high level, you see so many of the things that he pioneered and cuts and aesthetic. It's everywhere around us, and his influence on other designers, such as Tom Ford and Michael Kors, is indisputable. So we definitely see his legacy in that. We see his legacy on the business side. 
Yeah, obviously, you know, the, the collaborations with the, the big retailers, the high and meets the mid-market or the low market, you see it there. You see it in the licensing of people, of brands. You see it in the popular culture with Instagram, where now everybody is their own brand. He was the first, really. I mean, he lived that brand. He, he, there was no separation between the man and his legacy and his brand. So you see that today. Mm -hmm. And Frederick, before you answer that question, uh, th what you just said, Roland, reminds me uh, in a way of what Warhol did with art, right? And brand, and sort of in his style of branding, is sort of he became the he became the brand in a way in an art world that was not used to that sort of at least in many ways, not used to the approach that Warhol took to art anyway, but also sort of the the superstar that he became. And is, do you think, and I'm going to ask you, Frederick, do you think that that relationship with Warhol impacted the way he expanded his brand, expanded who he was in terms of the business side, or or not at all? I'm, I'm just sort of, because I just, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of fascinated with Warhol. I, I find him to be yeah. an endlessly fascinating uh, figure. Yeah, and I'm sort of wondering if there is any connection there, Warhol and, and Halston, and how, how Halston evolved as, a, as an artist and as, as a business person. I think there, there are a lot of connections. I mean, they, they, I think, mutually inspired each other. And, you know, I think they were both gay boys growing up in the Midwest and who wanted, you know, had big dreams and wanted to be taken seriously and wanted a seat at the table, basically, you know, and, and, and decided to create their own society doing that. I think that, you know, I, I really like what you said about the image-making part of Halston, I think, was really important. And, and, I mean, you know, Instagram didn't exist, but he was probably, like, the first Instagrammer yeah. <laughs> because he yeah. was just projecting his life in um, in images, and he had this, narrative that he wanted to put out there and he said himself like life is like a picture that's how he thought you know yeah. and um you know to to answer your question about the what the takeaway for me is or yeah. the legacy of Halston is i think you know i i see him as um a very inspiring um pioneer who um you know, when I look at all of his achievements and and when I look at the story on the big scale, you know, it's it's easy to be overwhelmed by the cautionary tale part of it and to, with the the tragedy of it because it does end badly. But I think I I always um, wanted to also make the ride as fun and as exciting as possible because. I think that's the way he envisioned things. He 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 didn't look at the negative side. He looked at the positive um, that he could uh, he could take, and he had like an incredible ten year um, rise before things got a little sour. Yeah. And you know, I think he you know Liza Minnelli sings um, in in the film um, about saying yes to life, and she says, you know. You'll never win if you never play, and I think that's really the way he approached his life. And then yeah. and there's a fearlessness that's really inspiring to me. Yeah, I, and I think it's because of all the things that you both of you said. It's also easy to overlook as a sort of as on the technical side of his ability, what he was producing those lines of clothes, uh, what he was doing, how he had his hand in so many things, and he was he was good at all of those things that he was 
involved with, and he he took on a a lot of responsibility. He wore a lot of hats, and in some way, it's it's kind of it would be easy to forget just how gifted he was and what an eye he had for what he was trying to accomplish. And um, that's what I take away from the film: that all of the things about him, in 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 addition to what you said, uh, but also what a truly uh, remarkable artist that he uh, that and the eye that he had for it is. Uh, is uh, something to be really appreciated, and it comes across in the film. I I do believe you guys have b- both the two of you have done a remarkable job here, and as I said, a comprehensive yeah. look at his, his life. Go ahead. Thank you. Yeah, he was a perfectionist. He was a control freak, and you know, <laughs> he was he drove everyone crazy to get to the vision that he had in his head. And I think like every creative person can relate to that because, mm. well, the, uh, you know, yeah. at the end of the day, it's your name. It's your name on the product. Exactly. And you know, he, yeah. he, he combined talent and confidence. Yeah, there you go. It's a fantastic combination. Yes, it is. Well, and this is a fantastic film. The, again, the, the film is called Halston, and we've been talking to the director and the editor, right. Frederick Cheng, as well as the producer, Roland Ballister. To both of you, thank you so much for being here on Film School. I really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Thank you. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.